Welcome to the September 2023 edition of the Inside Nutley podcast. I'm your host, Tom Greco, and today we are going to talk with Fox 5 lead sports anchor reporter, host of Fox 5 Sports Extra, CBS Sports Sideline reporter and host, and of course, Nutley High School class of 1992 graduate, Tina Servazio. Welcome, Tina. Hi, Thomas. Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this. We really appreciate it. First of all, you have so many credits, I couldn't fit them all into the introduction. So let's start <laughs> out with seven Emmy Awards. Tell me about those. Um, well, I have to give a lot of credit to all of the producers and all of the editors and all the technical people at Madison Square Garden Network because, because they're so talented and so flawless, it makes it so much easier for us on the air. So all of those Emmys and a couple of them are behind me here, they were all part of the New York Knicks broadcasts. So it's one of the highest rated games to despite their their records each year at times even during losing seasons they're the most watched games because the Knicks you know during basketball season during the NBA season are the team the sport to watch in New York City it's a basketball town no matter what anyone says so um it's just a, a phenomenal talented broadcast crew and you bring it together as a team and each year we would win multiple Emmys um and I was a sideline reporter from 2000 oh goodness, eight to 2015. And um, we would get Emmys for different shows, different reports. When Kobe Bryant came in and scored 61 points, we had a Friday night Knicks themed show. So every Friday night, it had a musical open, kind of like Monday Night Football. And it was just different aspects and, and different, uh, one of Carmelo Anthony's games. So um, so credit to all of them, which is how I was able to win all of those Emmys as the Knicks sideline reporter. Well, seven though you're kind of like the Tom Brady of of, of Nutley. Is the is the uh, is there any difference between the first one and the last one, or is there one special more special than the other? Um, I mean, just having Kobe Bryant's name on a trophy that also has your name is kind of special. Same thing with Carmelo Anthony. I think that just what makes it special in general because we got to cover that incredible game that Kobe played, and then um, just you know the fact that he passed away is just gut wrenching. It's, it's such an amazing career at such a young age. But let's go back. You grew up on Hampton Place, correct? That's correct. Tell me a little bit about that. I had a great childhood. Uh, my parents were actually born and raised in Belleville. And then when they got married, they lived in Belleville for a little bit in an apartment. And then they bought, they built their first house, moved in. And I was born a couple of months after that. And uh, grew up with my sister, Kareem. We used to walk to school to go to Washington School. I remember that vividly. My mom would trust us to walk and we'd pick up milk on the way home for my mom and sneak in some candy if we had extra money and bring it home. So it was really just a different age, right? It was a different era. And I just loved that I grew up in Nutley on a, a kind of a, a tree-lined street and a great backyard. And we would have picnics and family over and all that stuff. Would walk to junior high and high school through Yanaka Park. Sometimes I would take Center Street, depending on who we were picking up or where we were going, walking. So I just, those are some of my best memories from growing up in Nutley, walking to school, whether it was Washington, Franklin, or Nutley High, uh, because it was just part of the whole experience. You know, meeting friends on the way home, I'd be walking home from, say, cheerleading practice, and we'd walk through football practice and see the guys. And so just, you know, those those are kind of my memories growing up in Nutley. Were you always interested in sports? Yes. So, uh, you know, my dad watched sports, my grandfathers, my, a lot of my mother's cousins were coaches in Belleville. Uh, my uncle Joe was a well-known coach in Nutley, Joe Zara. 
crew, freshman football, wrestling was the big one, became the athletic director, became the principal, became the superintendent. So I was grow I grew up in a family that was full of educators and coaches. And, and the whole emphasis was uh, not to become, you know, an NFL player or an Olympic champion, but how sports benefits your education and your growth as a person in leadership discipline. It's, it's another arm of education. So that's kind of the atmosphere that I grew up in. So I just love sports, but I, I also just loved going to games with my father. He had two daughters, but I was kind of like the, you know, I was almost like a son, like I wanted to go to my uncle John's football games on Friday nights in Belleville. We would go to see uncle John Sineski, who was the head coach of the Belleville football team. They would play on Friday nights. We would go see uncle Joe's freshman football team Saturday mornings. It was just like a thing I did with my dad. We would go around, we would go see cousin Jimmy coach the basketball team. He was uh, in Belleville and then as well as over in Lyndhurst, uh, cousin Mark and Carl, well, cousin Mark was basketball as well. He ended up at Caldwell College, moved his way through the ranks. Cousin Carl was coaching softball. So growing up, that's what I saw. So that's why I got interest, interested in sports, tried them all. Um, and I just still loved going to games, even if I couldn't play in them at the highest level. So I ended up talking about them. <laughs> Tell me about your memories of, of Nutley High. Oh, it was a good time. Um, still talk to a lot of my friends from there. My best friend is Lisa Taglarini. We still talk constantly um, and see each other. And I mean, I just, I remember vividly the, the different seasons of the year. If I wasn't cheering at a football game, we would all go hang out, our friends and support whoever was playing soccer on Friday nights. And uh, we would have great parties, good times at everyone's houses over football season. Where were we going on Saturday night? It was like the big thing. We couldn't wait. Whose house? I would love having, we, I had some parties at my house. My mother would love it. She would have like a ton of food and we'd have all the boys and girls over. And um, we had a really good time down in the basement in our lower, lower level. Just really, it was, it's a great experience, Nutley High School. Um, and then I ran track and field in the springtime and we would walk from Nutley High School up to Demuro Park. And sometimes there'd be a bus, sometimes we'd get a ride. By the time I was a senior, we would drive up there because I got my license in time for that spring. And just remember going to practices and then friends' homes, you know, grew up in all my different friends' homes. Um, Lisa Guglielmino, Danielle Christie, and I'm going by all of their maiden names. I'm <laughs> Harry Baldino. I'm probably leaving a ton of people out. Nancy Cipollino, who's now practically a neighbor, again, here in Cedar Grove. Um, so yeah, it was always going over people's houses, birthday parties. And I just really enjoyed that. And, and that's when we get together for reunions, especially our class of 92. Everybody goes. It's a blast. It's an absolute blast to see everybody again. Even if we haven't seen each other since the last reunion five years ago, it seems like we just all kind of come back together again. We had some really good memories. And we, had, we, were the, we were the class that initiated the junior prom, and I'm pretty sure they still have it. So we're talking decades, decades, <laughs> and decades of a tradition that my class started. Were you a part of that? Yes. Yeah, I was one of the, I think, gosh, what was I? Was I the vice president? I know Peter Bevere was the president. I might've been the vice president of the class. Jubilees, I don't remember. Heather Von Roth was like the secretary, I think. Who else was with us? Was it Mike Staskowitz? I forget. There was Ryan Craven and Joe Battaglia. They were also class officers. And we kind of created it. You know, there was the, the very, you know, the famous prom that we would have at one of these catering venues and everybody gets dressed up and get in the limo. But what if we just got dropped off at the cafeteria like a traditional what you see you know when you watch Greece or when you watch the traditional <laughs> yep. American movies of high school so we kind of created that and we had the art class do a big our, our theme is New York City and we had a big backdrop of the skyline 
I believe Lisa Taglarini was involved in painting that. So, and we just had it in the cafeteria for catered by somebody and we danced with a DJ and it was just another really cool event that we all got to look forward to and, and do together. At what point did you become interested in broadcasting and journalism? Uh, pretty early on. I think I, I, I mean, from when I went to high school, from when I got into high school, it's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, I definitely want, I wanted to be a newscaster. I loved Barbara Walters and Diane Sawyer. I used to love watching their shows and to see who they were interviewing, whether it was a movie star or obviously a political figure where I heard their name and maybe they're from another country or one of our presidents or whatever the case may be, or, but the ones that really got me were, um, the athletes. And I remember, Barbara Walters interviewing like Shaquille O'Neal and another story that Diane Sawyer did with Olympians was a big thing. I loved the, I was obsessed with the Olympics because I was a gymnast and Nadia Comaneci was my first favorite athlete. So I loved Olympic games, Olympic sports year round. Roberto Tombo was my other uh, first favorite athlete. He was a, a skier from Italy. So um, just always loved all sports. Wasn't I wasn't just watching high school football and high school basketball and loved journalism, was interested in it, interested in the broadcast side because you can use pictures and video and you could see the person versus writing an article. I liked how you could watch the person answer the questions. So that's what I pursued. I took a public speaking class in high school with Mr. Sasso, Dennis Sasso. I now speak at his son's classes once in a while. He teaches journalism, I'm pretty sure, in Bergen County. And uh, so I talk about sports journalism with them and really enjoyed that public speaking class. No fears. I mean, butterflies, but not afraid. Loved getting up and speaking in front of people. So that was kind of like the first step there and writing. And that was my strongest subject, writing in English. So you graduate high school, you go to Maryland, the University of Maryland. What was that like? Oh, it was great. It was um, a Southern school. I went there. I picked Maryland over like Syracuse and Yukon because it was warmer and it was beautiful when we went down there to visit. There were flowers and we got to walk without shivering like we were in Syracuse. But it was also between two major cities. It was between Baltimore and Washington, D.C. And all I kept hearing about pursuing a career in broadcasting was you have to do these internships. You have to do internships at television stations, radio stations, et cetera. And I just was like, well, then how would I do that if I'm kind of remote in some of these other college towns? So I just love the location of Maryland. And, and it was within my parents' circle and that they made on the map because originally I wanted to go to like UCLA. And, uh, and that was great. I met some great friends. I have a text chain that still goes on to this day of a group of five of us. Most of them were athletes because, of course, I befriended the soccer players, lacrosse players, field hockey players, and they became my best friends and I would announce their games. So it was a great situation. And it was also, you know, a major division one school in the ACC at the time, they're Big Ten now. But it gave me it wasn't it was in they were in a, a space at the time where basketball was just coming off of sanctions. So I had a lot of access because. It wasn't like it is now where, you know, the, the football team's winning bowl games and try and contending to win a big 10 championship. Maybe it's a little tough in football, but, yeah. but basketball for sure. They won the national championship after I left, but it gave me great access and great hands-on experience with my, you know, my fellow students there at, at Maryland. And, but to be able to go to press conferences with coaches like Gary Williams at the time, um, it really was a, a special moment. And I got to work for the women's soccer team. So my best friends on my dorm floor, my sophomore and freshman year, soccer players, those, you know, hung out with them, went to the parties with them, 
worked out with them in their off season. I go running, lifting with them. And I became the women's soccer manager. So then I got to work for April Heinrichs and Jill Ellis. April was the head coach at the time. She went on to become the national team head coach for quite a while. And then Jill Ellis was an assistant coach. She had just graduated from like her master's and she became the assistant coach. And she went on to win two world cups as the uh, coach of the U S women's national team in 2015, 2019, got to cover both of those world cups and their parades, which was super cool to see Jill and be like, it's Tina from Maryland. I was your manager. And she like, it blew her mind. I was like, look, I became a broadcaster. She's like, I became a, a head coach. I'm like, yeah, you did. <laughs> so it just, that whole experience, sometimes stuff comes up later on in life. And it all goes back to the decision that I made when I was 17 yeah. to choose Maryland. I'm like, my gosh, that was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. What was your first professional broadcasting job? There's a lot of freelancing to start. The first time I was ever on real TV, though, on air was I was still a senior at college. And I did a story on the difference between um, lacrosse, outdoor lacrosse and indoor lacrosse, field lacrosse, box lacrosse. And uh, HTS at the time picked it up. It was the regional sports network, home team sports in the D.C. area. So I was pretty pumped about that. Maryland, obviously hotbed for lacrosse. Women had just won the national championship for the second time while I was there. So, uh, so it was a big story because a bunch of the guys on the men's lacrosse team were were getting into pro lacrosse, and some of them were either going into the box or the indoor. So that was like my I'll never forget. That was my first real package on real TV. Started in production for a long time, so my first real paying job in production. So I actually wrote for and was the sports editor for the Nutley Sun. So it was Recchio Publications at the time. So it was Nutley Sun, Belleville Times, Bloomfield Times, and the Glen Ridge Post, maybe? Something like that. Uh, so I was doing all of the sports pages there. So that was my first job out of college. And uh, it was a great experience. I interviewed uh, Tom Cruise's high school wrestling coach at Glen Ridge because he was retiring. So oh, that's cool. About his career, and then we got that little thing in about Tom Cruise. Um, I got to do stories on some of my classmates, like Chris Young, who went on to Colgate. He was a great wide receiver there and was playing really well. So I did a story on him. I remember that. I was doing both uh, sideline reporting for CN8 for Arena Football. And then I worked on a show called Varsity Sports Zone. And I covered Essex County, but sometimes it would overlap with Bergen County. So I would work with that uh, reporter. It was such a good time. His name was Kevin Burkhart. And Kevin and I worked together on varsity sports zone, never saw him in person. We would just talk on the, and this was before texting and we would talk on the phone and we would make sure we never overlapped each other's stories. And that's how I got to know him. And then eventually we worked together in the same building when he was, he was doing CBS afternoon drive radio, doing the sports updates. And this was one of my biggest, like my bigger first real on-air jobs, full-time insurance. Imagine that got health insurance. Finally. Uh, where I worked for, we were all working for, oh gosh, I guess it was Westwood One slash Metro Traffic at the time. And I was doing a combination of sports updates for like Bloomberg, would fill in at 1010 wins, as well as doing news and traffic for morning shows. So it was kind of a, I would just keep switching. I was in one booth and I would just keep switching the channels. All right, now you're on 102.7. Now you're on 1130 AM Bloomberg. Now you're on 1010 wins. And and Burkhart was right across the way at WCBS radio doing updates over there. So, uh, but that was like one of my, you know, it was, it was a little bit of TV, then radio full-time. And my biggest break, I believe was in 2004 when I went to CBS two New York and I was the weekend morning sports anchor. 
And that was in, you know, in college, all they told me was you have to go to a small market, you have to move to Idaho or, you know, Yakima, Washington, or these, I would have interviews in like small town, Georgia. And they'd be like, uh, you are too New York, New Jersey. We're sorry. We can't hire you. Cause I had, you know, my accent and I talk like an Italian American and I talk really fast. And so that wasn't their speed and that's fine because I wanted to work in New York. <laughs> sorry, the rest of the United States of America. I wanted, that was the goal to work in New York. And I was super lucky in my late twenties, got that job at CBS too, while also doing the radio. So I worked seven for about five years. I worked seven days a week, um, did radio during the week, morning and afternoon. I'd have the split schedule. And then on the weekends, I did that for four years on the weekends. I did CBS two in the morning as a sports anchor. How did you you juggle all that? I mean, that sounds like an insane schedule. Yes, still doing it 40 years later, however many years, 30 years later, still doing it some weeks. So I work five days a week at Fox 5 and I do college football, sometimes a little college basketball for um, CBS Sports Network. So on the weekends, I'll travel on a Friday, do meetings on Friday with college football coaches and then do the game on Saturday. And then I'm back at Channel 5 for Fox 5 from Sunday through Thursday. So still doing it. Did you find it difficult to get into a traditionally male-dominated industry? It's interesting. When I wanted to get into it, I never looked at it that way. I I guess the first time I really thought about getting into sports and then focusing, like learning about players and positions and how a game is played and rules, I was like in sixth grade. My dad took our family to the Rose Bowl. And, you know, my mom was like, cool, vacation in Southern California. We get to go to Disneyland as well. And we get to go to the Rose Parade. And I was like, oh, we get to go to a football game and a a big college football game. And it was just during that game, that week leading up to it, we were meeting families, like parents of players. It was Iowa versus uh, UCLA, actually. And we were meeting players, uh, parents and families. And, you know, they were wearing all their garb and the cheers and the events they were having. And I was like, that's so-and-so's parents and that's so-and-so. Then I would make sure I knew their number and watch them play. And so I got into a little more of the minutia of the game with that, with my dad. And he's like, you know, you should really look into a career maybe in sports um, or like sports broadcasting. Because at the time um, it was Gail Gardner who had been on CBS, the NFL today on CBS. He's like, there's women doing it now. So to me, I was like, okay, there's a, a woman doing it. And I watched her and she was great. And that's what I wanted to do. And then there was there was Leslie Visser and then Linda Cohn and um, Hannah Storm. And I loved Linda Cohn because she had a New York accent. So I loved watching her on SportsCenter because I was in college at the time. Like she's got an accent so I can, you know, throw my jersey sort of New Yorkish, fast talking accent around. And, and I just, by seeing those, each and every one of those women appearing on TV and it was few and far between, but I never saw it. It's like, oh, there's only two because that's all I watched. So I just saw Leslie Visser every Monday night. And I loved how like she would laugh and was so nice to the players and they would answer her questions. And how did she come up with that question? So it never, I never thought I'd have to be in a male dominated industry. I just looked at them and I was like, okay, well, what are they doing to get on that sideline or to get into that studio? That's sort of all I, that's all I, how I looked at it. Were there any challenges? Oh God, yeah. <laughs> not getting a job, <laughs> um, living at my parents' house till I was 28, basically, because, you know, you're making $25 a story sometimes when I was working at those small stations. And then when you finally get those big jobs, it's not what you think it's going to pay. And then I was saving for a house and getting married. So I was like, you know, I'll just live home because I wanted to save money and I wasn't making a lot of money. And um, 
and that I really, um, and then, then the challenges came. So then when I was getting into the big time clubhouses and locker rooms, you know, there were, there was conflict here and there, a couple of players. I mean, I was with the Red Sox for two years. I moved up to Boston and was the Red Sox. I mean, everybody calls it something different at Nesson, New England Sports Network. It was just the, uh, I guess they just called me the field reporter. Maybe it was sideline reporter, but there's no sidelines in baseball, technically. <laughs> um, so I know they call Meredith Morakovic the clubhouse reporter. But whatever they call it, I was at I was in Boston for two years. And initially, there were some players that were rough on me. Um, but it was also, I think it was a big generational change, too. There were some older managers at the time that they were not used to seeing women in, in the clubhouses, et cetera, asking strategy questions and about pitch count and different rotations and things like that, uh, lineups and questioning a lineup or questioning, you know, a call that a, a manager makes from the dugout or, you know, switching to relievers or whatever. So they weren't comfortable with that. So they were a little snide back, but it helped me build kind of that whole thick skin they talk about. And what kept me going was were the people or the men that were great. Who were your broadcasting heroes and mentors? Well, it's so neat because Leslie Visser was someone I looked at from afar and just admired and wanted to be like, and she was an inspiration and a hero. And years and years, years later, I was able to meet her when I started working at CBS Sports and to be able to meet her and email with her. And she reached out to me first, actually, it was even before I got to CBS because I was working for one of her former producers at Nesson. And I had been there for a year and he knew that I worshiped her. He gave her my email. She reached out and it was the coolest moment. And we're been in touch ever since. I keep her texts forever. Like I've texted her <laughs> five years ago. And she is still that. And she is still such a great journalist. And what I always loved about her was her, again, like you talk about emotions, her empathy for players and their story, their backstory, but also asked like the hard questions when they were needed yeah. about turnovers and why a team was losing or certain situations like that. So um, so being able to, so she's also become a mentor and, you know, I was like, Hey, Leslie, while I have you here, can I ask you what's the best way to approach this? I'm old enough to remember the very first sports extra with uh, Lee Leonard and Bill Mazur, believe yes. it or not. Yes. What's it like, what's it like to continue that tradition? So how about this? My producer was their intern. Really? In there really? That mm -hmm. Wow. 18 years old. Wow. So, yeah. It's getting ready, not retire soon, but, um, so I knew of it because I watched it. Um, I was a little more of the Tom McDonald era, obviously. Yep. I remember yep. him. And then then they started becoming my colleagues, uh, like Duke Castiglione um, and uh, Carl Reuter and guys like that that were, were on Fox 5. Um, but, I mean, I remember that was the only – we didn't have Sports Center, And that was the only show you could watch – in New York on a Sunday night and get the other scores. Like how did the Steelers do against the Cowboys if the Jets and Giants didn't play those teams? Exactly. So that's how you learn. And they would just, he would do scoreboards, right? He would just have these, and they're the graphics were so horrible <laughs> in front of a camera. And that was the big deal. Like that was, he was sports center on the Sunday night. Yep. And he would have his good interview and on, um, and he would get, and that was also the only show in town. So he would get everybody. Yep. Yeah. You know, you get everybody in studio yep. and it was, uh, it was a different era again. So, you know, it wasn't like, uh, I'm going to need car service and I'm going to need to stop at dinner. <laughs> and now I'm like, I can't do it. Sorry. <laughs> you know, and so different budgets. Well, I'm going to go to the other show. 
Um, so that's the challenge I have today. But for him, the fact that they kept that show around and the only really, the biggest change they made was change it to an X instead yes. of the XTRA. So modernized it a little, also emphasizes the Fox because it wasn't Fox at the time. So it was at WMYW, but it was whatever it was at the time, I forget, but on channel five still, but so it emphasizes the Fox. Um, and now, I mean, even when I started freelancing and filling in on Sports Extra, starting in 2009, when I came back to New York and was actually working at the Garden for for Nick, doing the Knicks, but the summers were light. I was only doing soccer in the summer, so I had time to freelance and continue anchoring and reporting. Um, even then, it was a little more traditional, but now it's like a little more human interest, a little less highlights. Game's not even over. And I could rewatch, you know, Daniel Jones getting sacked by Nick Bosa 18 times without having to wait till the game to end and see what they're going to put on Fox five. So that's, so it's a little different. It's more of the, the quick highlighted game. Cause I already saw it. Let's, let's do a quick summary. We're not gonna show you every play, but what's the story behind it? What unique sound can we get? What analysts can we get on? But I really like doing the stories and a little back to the Tom McDonald era. He, um, where he would want to go at, like the big thing is like, oh, get somebody in studio. And I get that. It's really cool to have somebody with a big name in studio. But I've noticed in the last two, three years, and that's what Bill Mazur did, but a little bit like Tom McDonald, um, he liked he liked to go out and be in their atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So I, I enjoy doing that. I enjoy meeting a player out doing something and then, then I get my interview and then we could air the long format. It always goes back to Bill Mazur. Yep. Everybody just talks about what the, the groundwork that he laid and you have to evolve with the times. So, um, but it still gives it that prestige, which is, which is an honor to just even have this job. Great. All right. We're going to do some random thoughts. I'll throw out some uh, names or something. You just tell me what comes to mind real quick. Okay. I guess stole it from Michael K, but uh, <laughs> uh, the Olympics. Um, I don't want to use anybody else's terms. Um, humanity. But what about watching the humanity? There's incredible stories behind these athletes. Um, it's wonderful to see them win and reach their goals, but sometimes there's great stories and lessons learned when they fall short of their medals and their goals. What's it like covering it though? It's neat. It's really neat to see just all the athletes from all the different countries all different events going on at the same time um, to hear the different languages when you're walking from venue to venue. And then this is the pinnacle. And even, even talking to NBA players, when they go to play for USA basketball, it's a, it's a whole different animal. It's so different. It's a different emotional feel because it's a, you know, it's the world stage, the whole world's watching. And it means it's something different when you're playing for your country. It's less about your stats and, and the team, it's, uh, it, you know, it's about the country in the way, because people might not know one rule about basketball, but they're rooting for you <laughs> because you've got the USA across your chest. So um, things like that, that that's what, so covering it when you go to a practice um, or when somebody does lose out on a medal opportunity or something, there's, there's just like a deeper emotion. And it's like, it's more of a feeling like, it's not that I failed, it's I've let someone down. I've let the country down. It's a little different um, in the, in the win-loss stories in the olympics and that's what makes it it just shows a whole different a wonderful side of humanity how about good day new york 
very early. <laughs> uh, but fun it's it's an energetic show i mean once when we get rolling and i'm so glad like now that that the whole pandemic era is over one of the things i just loved about it you never know who you're going to run into the elevator doors would open there'd be a llama walking by and uh just you know you get you get a combination of these strong political or controversial figures and then just some ridiculous fun comedian um, so it's, it's a great, great atmosphere. And, um, a lot of people, and what I love when people tell me that, oh, I was on the treadmill this morning and I saw this story, it's always something unique when somebody's watching morning television. Right. So that's, that's always kind of fun, but good day. New York is a, a New York, it's a staple. It's been around for a long time. It makes Fox five. It, it's the, you know, the, the trademark show on Fox five. It's what makes our channel stand out. And um, New York is not New York without Rosanna Scotto. She is New York. Yep. <laughs> How about uh, Daniel Jones? Um, Forgetting last night. <laughs> quiet, but but focused. He is. And he's as focused as he could be with the offensive line that he's dealing with. So, you know, I know it's it's hard to evaluate him right now when he's running all over the place and looking at defenses like the San Francisco 49ers. But I sat down with him last week. Um, he's a Duke grad. He's a smart kid. And he answers your questions. He's very dry, very quiet, very focused, um, but a really nice young man. I mean, looks me dead in the eye, shakes my hand. There's athletes who don't even look at you or don't shake your hand. They're like, oh, hey, and they'll sit down, mic me up. You know, so he is um, class act like that. And you know what? He really, he represents the Giants tradition. He really, really does. And that goes back to why he was drafted. Very similar to Eli. He's, there's a lot to accomplish on the field to get to Eli though. But in that nature, you know, tall quarterback, a little much more mobile than Eli though. But um, the way he handles himself in the, in the locker room and with his teammates and things like that. So that's, that's always refreshing because we saw how far Eli eventually got so what about, what about Eli so I did a great interview with him last year again after he's retired um funny dry you he's like smarter and wittier than you so you have to like be ready like what's he gonna say because he might say something hysterical and you might miss it so that that's the thing now with Eli but he was I mean he, he stood at that locker win lose or draw Took, I mean, he would stand there sometimes for 35 minutes, just standing there, question after question after question. And you get the wave of the, the TV reporters and then the beat reporters would come in and then like national reporters. And then we would come back and get more stuff. And he just was always there. Another, again, class act. And um, clearly we learned after retirement how hysterical he was behind the scenes. Because players would say that we'd be like, oh God, no, he's not. Like he's just, but he was always, you know, he would, he was, you know, would make those quick kind of marks, remarks to some questions. So you knew there was, there was something in there, but um, no, he's a legend. He's a New York legend. Do you think he's a Jersey guy now? Yes, I do. I absolutely do. I mean, his kids are all in Jersey kids playing hockey and soccer, cheering for all the New York and New Jersey teams. I mean, he became a part owner of Gotham FC. He's got his kids at the games this year and they're cheering. It's adorable. Um, so that's really, really cool. You know, tweeting about, you know, being a hockey dad. And there was some other game that he, oh, how he doesn't understand lacrosse. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I would have thought. Jersey, he's a full-blown Jersey guy now. Oh, yeah. that's, that's great. How about Carmelo Anthony? Oh, well, you know, 
it's, I still like, it still like guts me that he never was able to win a championship, but he is uh, an Olympic legend, all of three gold medals and, uh, um, and people to realize he worked really hard. He worked, you know, he took up boxing to help with his balance and his fitness and his, his kind of off season to, to keep his weight down, his lean muscle up. He really worked hard. And I think a lot of that got lost sometimes and because of the results, because he never won a championship or played in a ton of finals um, when he was the, the main, the main player, you know, he, he's a New York legend too. Speaking of legends, how about Derek Jeter? I mean, he is unique. Uh, the best of the best. I mean, talk about a champion. I mean, that's, you know, beyond he's a champion many times over. And um, another one who was like super intense. I mean, again, it, but th that does say something, you know, it's not the youngsters we're talking about here that are winning championships and are legends. It's the guys that are really focused. He was very hard to interview. Um, but I found when I was early in my career, like ask him about other players, ask him how, oh, you know, Robinson Cano is hitting behind you now and his batting average is up. I know you've worked on him with his hitting. Oh yeah. Boo. You know, what's, what's the been the biggest difference? Well, in this count and that, but, 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 oh, Derek Jeter talks a lot. Like, so that was kind of the thing about him. Wouldn't talk about himself. And, uh, when they lost, he was pissed. Like that was the end of it. You know, it was you win. And, and when you win, it's already like, how are we going to win tomorrow? Like, why are we talking about this game? It's over. Like, how are we going to win tomorrow? And he admitted that in his, a lot of his hall of fame speeches and careers, how he was kind of always on to the next thing. And he never savored maybe some of the wins and the moments and the championships. It took a little bit later in his career to realize that, I guess when his, you know, his ankle went and it was kind of winding down. But, um, but what a great personality now. And he's Mr. Interview Broadcast. Yeah, right. I did an interview with him right before the All-Star Game, like, well, Fox Sports colleague. And, um, and so I grew, I mean, he's, I'm his age. So I grew up seeing him in the New York City clubs a lot. So it was kind of fun to finally reveal that to him. And, um, you know, that's what you, I could resonate. Like we're the same exact age. He's a couple of months older than me. So it was fun not using the term old timers with him because I refused to use it because he's not an old timer because we're the same age. Yeah. So I called, I was like, can we call it the um, Yankees retired legends? And he's like, yes, yes, let's do that. <laughs> we're not old timers, right? So, um, but yeah, champion is what first comes, that's what comes to mind with Derek Jeter through and through. How about Pete Alonzo? Oh, he's a great guy. What a great guy really is for a kid from Tampa to put his heart and soul into New York causes. Um, you know, and I mean, he came out of the gate, a great player He with, with the home runs rookie of the year, there was pressure on him when he was the Mets top prospect coming through pressure on him because his defense at first base wasn't so great initially, which is maybe why he wasn't called up a year earlier. Um, but he knew the power that he had that he worked on since he was like a seven-year-old. And he put it to work and it, it showed on the major league level. And then to see him immediately go out and support like 9-11 causes and be there in person and create things like, like cleats and break rules and have the team wear 9-11 hats and like all kinds of different things for a kid from Tampa. That was a little kid, six years old, when we went through this tragedy. Um, so he is a great person. Um, and the, the Mets really need to resign him. They do. They have to. What's the biggest change that you've seen in athletes in your time covering them? I think the social media has made them a little, some of them, a little more sensitive because it's just, it's more, but it's beyond the newspaper articles and the reports. 
it's now social media stuff. And sometimes it comes from fans and it still gets to them. They say they don't read it. They do. Someone tells them about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that changes that it almost makes them more guarded. So, yeah. So I think that's changed athletes a little bit, but it's also some of them made them more outgoing and you could, you know, watch them sing their songs and releasing their record albums. Um, you learn about their endorsements or fun podcasts that some of these athletes do. And I would only have learned about it through social media. So then it creates more questions for me to ask when I sit down with the person. So, I mean, that's kind of, I think that's what's very different about covering athletes today. And I do that a lot with the college athletes. Like I'll go through their social media. Some are active, some are not active at all. Um, especially at army, you get, they're not quite as active, but, um, you know, you'll find out kind of what kind of pets do they have? Do they have a dog? Do they have a cat? Do they have fish? (laughs) Um, and it just, it could kind of creates more content for you, which makes it easier if you put in, if like the journalist and the reporter puts in the work, it's fun and it's interesting. And again, it makes them human. Like, oh, they're humans too. Like this kid's also studying for aerospace science and things like that. Is there a bucket list of interviews you haven't done? The Aaron Rodgers one's been put off for a bit, <laughs> but he was never on my list until March of 2023. Never, he was never on my list until then. Um, who else? I've got. I've interviewed Nadia. Um, and I got Michael Jordan on uh, when he was in the Hall of Fame. It was a group, so that was kind of cool. At least I was right up there. Um, let's see, who have I not sat down with? I mean, there's a couple, like, it's, it's not even a bucket list. It's like, oh, I've got to get them this year because they're new to the area or they're, you know, um, like I haven't sat down with Sauce Gardner yet, dying to interview him. Um, hmm, trying to go through the basketball teams. I never got Kevin Garnett or Kyrie Irving face-to-face, but I got Ben Simmons the other day. So we're off to a good start for this next season. Uh, I'm trying to think otherwise. I've never, you know, well, Still never interviewed Billie Jean King. It's like, but what else is there to ask her? Um, trying to think. What about uh, somebody like, did you ever interview Joe Namath? Yes. And that's so funny you mentioned him because I just got a contact. So I'm doing a Jets show in a couple, in like in two months. And I was talking to my agent about former players. And I was like, you know, I should try to get Klecko and Namath for that show. And I just got his contact name. But I interviewed him at the United Way dinner a couple of years ago as well as um march of dimes so and i did a whole story on his history of giving back and he was like one of the first big time yeah. did that he was like the first you know and it was united way and and Mar- it was march of dimes actually it was and um how he would do the commercials for that and show up and the kids you know joe and the kids in that one commercial yeah. so i did a whole story on how he set the stage you know the precedent for all of that um super nice he was great both my interviews super great uh, I got to interview Lawrence Taylor but it was on zoom and it was one of the most I was like oh my gosh my teenage self is like yeah it's great I uh I have some photos to show you you care to look at them okay yeah how about I get your phone on the screen I, I'm gonna show you all right you ready you, you you tell me what you think my high school I guess I'm a senior photo yep what okay. do you remember about that so here's what people don't realize. They're like, oh, use so much hairspray in like the, you know, 90s. Uh, no, that was my natural hair. I bear, <laughs> like, If I used hairspray, it was to make it flat. <laughs> that was just, that was before we had good products. Yeah. So there you go. My senior picture. 
What are you thinking there? You're not you're thinking of a career in, in sports journalism? I think I was a little more focused on news there, but I definitely want to be a broadcaster. Definitely, okay. definitely did. I think that the sports really came to fruition when I saw that I could take sports classes at Maryland. So about well this week we actually touched on this a little bit before so there yep those are the clips so there we go and stephanie that's who alfonso she was alfonso she was the um other officer i guess we changed officers so anyway let me explain that picture though that's our class officers and um yeah i'm standing next to joe joe and i joe went to the university of maryland as well and amy radel oh my gosh so she was also i guess we just kept switching around our different officers each year but i think that was i guess that was our senior year or maybe and that's, junior year, but that's my uncle. That's Uncle Joe. He was yep. the head coach of wrestling and um, he was yeah special ed teacher at the time. That was before he became principal. Right. And Miss Kay, Miss Kay was my, Miss Gwoski. She, she was one of my favorites. She was also my track coach. She right. was my sh shot put coach. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of memories in that photo. I mean, Joe and I went to college together and Pete and I, I mean, we're, our families are friends with the Beveers. And of course, Amy and um, Stephanie were good friends. You know, we were girlfriends in high school. So it is just, wow, what a small world. That, it feels like yesterday, honestly, feels like yesterday. <laughs> like not that long, maybe like three years ago. Okay. So, not that long. <gasps> Cheering. That was our senior year. Um, Michelle Penaranda and Nicole Schur, and we were captains. So those are the three of us across. And um, that is the good old 90s cheering baby with the jazz hands. Love it. We had what, the old jazz what, hands. What was your most memorable game as a cheerleader? Do you have one? You know, it was, um, was it my sophomore or junior year when they lost in the championship game against Randolph? But that was a big game. I mean, I remember like four buses of Nutley fans going to Randolph for that game. That was my sophomore year. Because Joe Pyro and them, they were the seniors at the time. Mm -hmm. Yes, Jenny Pyro was the one of the captains. Maybe it was my freshman. No, I think it was the yeah, my my sophomore year. Um, I just remember cheering on the track there and that game, but they lost. And it was we were sad. We were all crying. <laughs> like it was the end of the world. <laughs> so these were my girlfriends I was talking about earlier. And I knew I forgot a friend. It was Amory Cortelli, now Amory Meadler on the well, I'm looking at it far right. And then it's Lisa Taglarini, myself, Perry Baldino, using all the maiden names, and Danielle Christie. So, um, yeah, still talk to them. I don't get to see them as much. I haven't seen Lisa in a while, but we always talk. And I see your kids on social media. Same thing with Carrie. And talk to Danielle a ton. And, um, yep, that's how I talked about them earlier. I was like, I'm forgetting somebody. It was, it was Amory. That was your, that was your that was core. Our best friend picture. Yeah, that was, your, that was your core group in high school? Senior, yeah, senior year. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right, a couple of other things. Favorite athlete to cover? David Ortiz. Sorry, Yankee fans. Why? Funny. He was great. He was a champion. Um, he always, very similar to Eli, but I didn't know Eli yet. Um, he would always, he would just stand there and answer the questions, um, you know, in bad times and in great times when he's breaking Jim Rice's home run record or whatever the case may be or going to another World Series. And he was the only athlete who would ever say, oh, I have to do something. I have to go talk to Tito or I'll be right back. And 99.9 .9 of athletes, you lost him. He's not coming back. David Ortiz would come back. And sometimes he would just jump in front and be like, what do you need, Tina? By himself. Like, by, and I'm by myself. You know what? Okay. 
I get whatever questions I needed from him. So he was fun. And, uh, you know, he works for Fox. So I did an interview with him recently and he's just fun. He's just a funny, um, funny guy. And it was fun to watch him hit clutch home runs. That's what was so cool. It was the walk off home run, especially at Fenway park that were so fun to cover. Um, and, and to interview him, you know, right as he crosses the home plate, the, you know, the craziness is going on. And then to be the first person to talk to him and interview him, he was easy to interview in that aspect. He would tell you about the at-bat. He'd tell you the, some silly story about something um, and a little bit about the game. And just, you know, so he he was he was fun to cover. Favorite team to cover? I mean, the Red Sox won the World Series for me. I have a World Series ring. Really? Yes, it says, wow. it says, excuse me, Servacio, um, 2007, Nesson, because that's who I was working for. But the 2012-2013 New York Knicks, who won 54 games and did make it to the second round of the playoffs, that was a lot of fun. Favorite sports cover? Football. Favorite jersey, Short Town? Oh, well, I grew up going to Wildwood Crest. But now, Kate May has our heart. We rent a house there every year. It's be great, beautiful. The restaurants, the shopping, the the old time, the like the New Orleans Southern influence. I love it. Favorite Bon Jovi song? Um, that's a tough one because there's so many. I mean, it's. <laughs> I guess you give love a bad name is the one that comes like I'm thinking of Netley right now, but there are better ones like later as an adult. Um, oh gosh, well yeah, the high school era would be you give love a bad name. I just remember that was our anthem and oh, living on a prayer though that that kind of stands the test of time. That song, those those are two classics. I'll stick with those. All right. Last year, you were the Grand Marshal of the Nutley Belleville Columbus Day Parade, and you were elected to the Nutley Hall of Fame in 2011. What do those things mean to you? They mean a lot because they actually make my parents really proud because that, that's why they mean a lot to me because my, it means a lot to my parents because they we talked about them growing up in Belleville earlier, and they raised me and my sister in Nutley, and that was the town that we grew up in. Our whole memory of life is Nutley. My parents still live in the same house. So... Um, that was an honor and um and to just the, the the family time we had from it just means those are memories i'll never forget like you know like a wedding you know it's we had such a good time last year with all the little events leading up to the columbus day parade the italian dinner and, and um i guess we were at ralph's one night and going to mass and and the di and the the beautiful gala a couple weeks ahead of time and it was fun because my mom's cousin, Jimmy Carino, who was one of the coaches that I used to go watch, he was also honored. I grew up with Michael Zinna. He's one of my best friends. His brother was also honored. So we had, it was like just, you know, the crisscross of all the Nutley families. So um, it's just such a special, special memory. And I'm just grateful that the people chose me for both of those honors. What do you miss most about Nutley? I just miss the simplicity of the old days because I'm still not late all the time. <laughs> um, so I get to see the high school and all that. But um, Thanksgiving at my my aunt Donna's era, you know, and obviously my parents, like I said, still at my childhood home. But um, I miss that just the simplicity of the old days. Like I said, like walking to school and like after school, I just I just miss 
miss that, you know, going to practice and having your friends and going bike riding in Nutley and just not, you know, having, didn't have the cell phones and your parents weren't looking for you. It wasn't, it was never like unsafe. Like the big thing is like, don't fall off your bike. So that, you know, that was like the big worry for my mom, like, to, you know, don't fall off the bike and like smash your face, which I did once. But, you know, there was, um, it was just a different day and age. And I remember that just hanging out on friends, you know, little stoops, you know, in front of our homes. So I, I, I miss that and being, and then like just all those friends were sort of spread out now. And we, we talk on social media and who's, who's got four kids, who's two kids, who's, you know, all over the place. We're working, I have weird hours. So it's, you know, you don't get to see those friends anymore, but at least we, we kind of know where they are, but I miss, I miss seeing them all the time. Well, we talked to, um, uh, Phil Cousy, the major league umpire, uh, he made a point of saying that, you know, going around all around the country, obviously, like he does, and he tells people what Nutley's like and, and people look, give him funny, funny looks like, really? There's places like that. Do you, do you find that too? Yeah, with the downtown, so because it's still kind of the same. So you, you've got Franklin Avenue, which is our little downtown and what the Nutley Oval smack in the middle of town. A lot revolves around the high school's events and town events. I mean, the fact we're one of the very, I mean, I think there's five towns in america that still have a local columbus day parade and call it that so um that came up a lot last year with people that weren't from this area that i work with elsewhere um yeah and it's uh and i'll never forget speaking of nutley and all the different people it was and it was at good so this is good this is bringing everything together now thomas i was at good day i said you never know who you're gonna see and it was the day that we were taping our halloween skit so it's fun being part of like a team, like on that show, instead of just being the sports anchor and you just show up and do your sports and leave on good day, you're, you're like a cast. So we, I don't even know what our theme was that year. I think it was, um, voting or something. And we were all music stars and I was Lady Gaga for Halloween and we were going to tape our segments and Martha Stewart is in the hallway. So <laughs> with the blonde wig and I'm Lady Gaga in full costume glasses and everything says gaga and took my glasses off and i said martha stewart you know i'm tina servasio my real name i'm the sportscaster here i'm from nutley new jersey conversation starts where did you live where did you grow up what year did you graduate who do you know and we're just going back and forth and we talked about the hall of fame so again proud we're from nutley and so is martha stewart you know all that she has done uh, internationally and her stories and there she was carving pumpkins on good day and there I was dressed as Lady Gaga and we have a really good picture of that of the three of us in our costumes as music stars with the real Martha Stewart that's a great from story from Nutley New Jersey <laughs> from Nutley New Jersey well Tina thank you so much for taking your time and spending uh, an afternoon almost with us on Inside Nutley it's been a pleasure Thank you for just thinking of me, Thomas, and even just having me on. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Tina. Thank you. Have a good day. You too.